Hey everybody, this is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Leslie here, here to welcome you into a new episode of 20 Minute Fitness. And if you're new here, then we absolutely adore new listeners. And if you didn't know, then the 20 Minute Fitness podcast is produced every Thursday for your enjoyment. And if we say anything that piques your interest or you would like to learn more about, then you can find links to those things in our show notes at www.20minute.fitness. We put a lot of info in our show notes and we would absolutely love if you check them out. And you guys, we have some great 20 Minute Fitness Podcast merch that we are just dying to send to you guys. And if you just send us a screenshot of your review of this podcast, you can tweet at us at shape underscore scale, then we will send some 20 Minute Fitness merch to you um, in your hands, in your mailbox, at your front door, it will be delivered and it couldn't be easier. So go review you guys. As always, the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker. You step on it and it digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. Now available for pre-order on ShapeScale.com. So you guys, I'm just going to get right into it. You saw the title of this episode. This episode is all about cryotherapy, infrared saunas, and the infamous float tanks. So I was so curious about all of these different treatments because I've just been seeing them everywhere. I saw that Steph Curry was doing it and that's how he was decompressing after games. I saw that Kobe was doing it. Just, you know, all the basketball players. And I just really was interested in it. So um, this podcast is going to be diving into where all of these different treatments came from, um, the validity behind them. And because I tried them, I'm going to be telling you guys about my experience getting frozen to negative 147 degrees Fahrenheit, um, being warmed up by infrared rays, and then floating in sensory deprivation for 30 minutes. So I hope you guys enjoy. So to start off, we're going to kick it off with cryotherapy. And cryotherapy, for you guys who didn't know, is the idea of supercooling your body. And it actually originally started in Japan in the good old 70s. And originally, it was used as a therapeutic treatment to help patients with MS and rheumatoid arthritis. And by the time the 90s rolled around, it became a much more popular practice in Western Europe. And within the last decade or so, cryotherapy has landed in the spas of North America and Australia. So the logic of whole body cryotherapy stems from the widely accepted science underlying standard issue cold therapy. You know, like the gym class trick of using ice packs or an ice water bath to treat minor soft tissue injuries. Clinical studies have found that applying ice to an injury site for 5 to 15 minutes can lower skin temperature to less than 55 degrees Fahrenheit. This slows and dulls the pain signals to the affected nerves. So with cryotherapy, it's applying that same logic to your whole body. So you essentially step into a booth that is cooled with gasified nitrogen. Uh, so sometimes um, spas will have a cryotherapy chamber that looks like a tanning bed, but upright. And so your head is sticking up above um, the booth and you can see all of this gasified nitrogen just kind of flowing in. It kind of looks like the 
stuff that comes off of dry ice. Uh, and so the spa that I went to here in San Francisco, which is called Reboot Float Spa, um, had a little bit of a different setup. Uh, it almost looked like a refrigerator. <laughs> and I know that sounds a little bit scary, but uh, it looked like a refrigerator with like a big uh, rectangular car door window in it that kind of uh, rolled down to about halfway. And um, the girl there, she was super nice. She even asked me what kind of music I would like to play during my cryotherapy session. Um, so I picked some good old Beyonce. <laughs> and because the cryotherapy session was only 30 minutes long and I only did the beginner session which only went down to negative 147 degrees Fahrenheit um which yeah I say only I was like so scared <laughs> when she said that that was the beginner level um but then you step into like the little booth um you can see that the window goes down and then uh this gasified nitrogen uh floats into the uh, chamber and you just kind of hang out there for three minutes. And it honestly, you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I was expecting to uh, step out of it, just a frozen popsicle. Um, but I've had, you know, the thing that I can equate it to is that if you've ever waited in line for a bar, like in the winter, then you've done cryotherapy. Essentially, that's as cold as it gets. And I'm Canadian, so I know that my perception of coldness is, might be, you know, a little bit skewed. But if I can do it, literally anybody can do cryotherapy. So not just anybody is using cryotherapy, but also star athletes like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James have kind of jumped on board with this trend as well. And also um, some Hollywood A-listers such as Daniel Craig and Jennifer Aniston have too. So you also might be wondering, what does the FDA have to say about cooling your body with uh, gasified nitrogen? Well, the FDA has not approved or cleared any whole body cryotherapy devices, and they do not have the necessary evidence to substantiate any medical claims being made of these devices. So that's a pretty, you know, harsh quote coming from the FDA. So the agency bases this warning on its informal review of published literature and the generally recognized hazards associated with exposure to the gas that's created in cold conditions in the treatment chamber. So to be fair, cryotherapy wasn't given a very clear shot by the FDA. But, you know, you want to have a little bit of caution going into, you know, any kind of treatment like this. But some of the benefits that cryotherapy um, supports is um, it reduces inflammation, it increases mood, you can burn calories apparently while also being in cryotherapy, uh, it boosts your immune system, all of those types of things. And, you know, there's no real scientific evidence or essentially any good scientific evidence that really backs up any of those claims. But what I can say is that I was feeling especially groggy that morning that I went to go um, to cryotherapy and do all of these treatments. I had actually been quite sick the weekend before. And after stepping out of the cryotherapy chamber, um, I had a very noticeable kind of lift um, out of my sinuses. My sinuses felt very clear. And I was honestly really kind of shocked by that, that it was three minutes and I was feeling much better. So although that's not hard-hitting scientific facts, that is my experience and it might help you too. 
So after my little three-minute stint with the cryotherapy, um, I then moved on to the infrared sauna. And you might be wondering, what's an infrared sauna? Are you being microwaved? What kind of alien technology is this? Well, an infrared sauna actually uses infrared light to create heat instead of using steam or hot air. So it looks very similar to a regular sauna in that it's made out of wood and it has like a little door and you close it and when you get in, it's very hot inside. But with my experience, um, it was kind of like stepping into a sauna that was almost like heated, like desert heat. It was a very dry heat. It didn't feel sticky or sweaty like normal saunas do. And so that was kind of new for me. So some of the marketed benefits of infrared saunas are that they reduce inflammation in your body and that they also detox you deeper than a regular sauna would. So um, a lot of infrared saunas kind of market themselves as detoxing you from the inside out um, so that the infrared light is pulling toxins from deeper within your body out. So no reputable scientific study has been done to prove that infrared saunas uh, detox your body from a deeper level or detox your body at all. But some scientific studies do indeed show that infrared saunas can reduce joint pain and stiffness in people with rheumatoid arthritis. So the effects were minor but promising considering that the study was just four weeks and subjects spent only an hour in the sauna each week. So greater effects may be seen with prolonged use. While scientists aren't sure as to how it does this just yet, they suspect that it's due to the anti-inflammatory effects of infrared light. Uh, furthermore, the improvements persisted across the subjects after the sauna use stopped, which suggests that there's more to the story than it just feels good to sit inside a very hot box. So there also have been a couple of smaller studies that have shown that infrared saunas can enhance recovery after strength and endurance training by improving neural recovery. So these studies do have major flaws in them. They were small sample sizes, there was no blinding, and the results haven't been consistently replicated. So we just don't know yet if infrared saunas can actually improve post-workout recovery or not. So with that said, in my own personal experience with the infrared sauna, um, I did have very painful shin splints in both of my shins going into the infrared sauna session. And about 20 minutes in, um, out of a 30-minute session, um, I noticed um, kind of a twitching feeling or a twinging feeling um, in both of the areas of my shins where my shin splints are the most painful. Uh, and then I noticed in my workout the next day that there was a pretty noticeable improvement um, on both of my shins as far as the pain that I was feeling. And I kind of attribute that to infrared saunas. I changed nothing else in my um, fitness routine or workout routine to kind of warrant that type of improvement. Um, so I think that it helped. And just taking a moment to thank the company that makes this podcast possible, ShapeScale. Like we mentioned at the top of this episode, ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker. It digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. 
Unlike other conventional 3D scanners, ShapeScale provides a photorealistic 3D scan of your body. While others focus only on the shape of your body, ShapeScale, with its photorealistic 3D scan, clearly shows every detail of your body. Also, thanks to ShapeScale's robotic arm, the sensor can be maintained closer to the body, allowing for greater accuracy. In contrast to ShapeScale, most of the other full-body scanners are rotating the user. Rotating someone creates many micro-movements and further reduces accuracy. With ShapeScale, you get the highest amount of accuracy for a 3D body scanner. If you want to be among the first people to try out ShapeScale and own their own ShapeScale, then you can pre-order your unit today at ShapeScale.com with our prices starting at $349 per unit. Now back to the rest of the episode. So my third treatment in this whole cycle of treatments was the sensory deprivation tank or the float tank. So what a sensory deprivation tank is, it's it's essentially a lightless soundproof tank filled with salt water at skin temperature. So there are many different versions of float tanks that you can try out. Um, some people build them themselves um, for their home use, or you can visit a spa like I did here in San Francisco. Um, and so with the spa version, it's kind of like, it looks like a pod, and we'll have photos in our show notes um, of what this pod looks like, but it's essentially a white pod that looks like a kind of a smushed soft boiled egg. <laughs> and it has this little lid on it that pops up. Um, and you can see the water in there and it's about maybe eight inches of water. So it's not very much water at all or, you know, not enough water to swim in or anything like that. And you just get in and because of the salt content in the water, um, it makes your body super buoyant. So if you've ever seen photos of people floating around on the Dead Sea and it looks like they're just skimming the water, then it kind of is a similar experience to a float tank. And the reason that the water is skin temperature is so that when you lie back and start floating is that you lose the sensation of the water against your body. So you lose the sensation of touch. So hence the name sensory deprivation tank. So it's a lightless tank. Um, it's soundproof. And also the your immediate sensation of touch is kind of uh, muted for a little bit. So the idea of float tanks was actually developed by a guy by the name of John C. Lilly, who was a medical practitioner during his training in psychoanalysis at the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health. And after about 10 years of experimentation without taking any psychoactive substances, uh, Lilly tried floating in combination with taking a psychedelic agent like LSD. So I don't know about you guys, but tripping while also having the sensation of weightlessness would be a one-way ticket to absolutely losing my mind. Um, but thankfully, by today's standards, there's no LSD involved in a regular float tank session. So what are the benefits of floating in very salty water for 30 minutes? So the practice of using a float tank is kind of similar to the practice of meditation in that it gives you a moment to decompress and sit in silence for a little bit and just not be distracted for a period of time. And I'm not the type of person who is really into meditation. I find that I get frustrated really easily um, or I get bored really easily. And so one of the benefits I found with using a float tank was that I didn't have the option to reach for my phone. I didn't really have the distraction of hearing, you know, noises on uh, the street or anything like that. And so um, it kind of allowed me to slip into meditation a little bit easier than it would uh, just in day to day life. 
So research done back in 1983, um, published by the Journal of Biofeedback and Self-Regulation, found that floating results in a significant reduction in the levels of the stress hormone cortisol. And a 2006 study by the International Journal of Stress Management found that doing a dozen float tank sessions uh, reduced the amount of stress and anxiety in the patients for up to four months afterwards. So along with the stress and decompressive side of float tanks, you also have the added benefit of floating in a large quantity of Epsom salts for an extended period of time. So the use of Epsom salts is kind of an old trick. You've probably heard of the um, practice of putting maybe a cup or two of Epsom salts in a hot bath in order to relieve soreness in muscles um, and maybe deliver a little bit of magnesium to the system. So I was curious if there was any scientific validity behind soaking in Epsom salts or could we actually absorb anything like that through our skin? So in my digging to find out this answer, I kind of found out that there is no clear scientific evidence yet that Epsom salts can be absorbed via your dermis or your skin. So a bit of evidence that I found to support the idea of magnesium being absorbed through your skin is a study done by the National Center for Biotechnology Information, um, essentially finding that magnesium might be able to get into your lymphatic system beneath the dermis. So by doing so, it would bypass your GI tract if it was um, ingested uh, through your mouth. Um, and then it would allow for quicker absorption if it was um, absorbed through your skin and then into the lymphatic system. However, as far as clinically or medically, the application of transdermal magnesium cannot be fully recommended. Again, that being said, after I did leave the float tank, I felt that my body was much less tense and that any soreness that I was holding in my shoulders or my hips had kind of gone. Um, I know that that's not the hardest hitting of scientific evidence, but um, that was my experience. So overall, between the cryotherapy, the infrared sauna, and the float tank, um, I would definitely recommend the circuit to anybody who's looking to try out any new treatments, um, but I wouldn't recommend the treatments as kind of a cure-all for any serious ailment that you may be facing. But the major benefits that I found were that um, my sinuses completely cleared after the cryotherapy session and 100% after the infrared sauna session. And um, the soreness in my body and the tension that I felt I was carrying in my body um, definitely decreased um, when I left after the float tank session. And if you're ever in San Francisco, I could not recommend the Reboot Float Spa more. It's a great space. Um, they have done a really great job with it. They have amazing staff. Um, so if you're ever interested and if you're in the Bay Area, then I would totally check them out. And my other little piece of advice to somebody who's looking to use a float tank in the future for the first time um, or anything like that, or maybe even doing the whole circuit, um, is to order an Uber or a Lyft after the treatment or get a friend to pick you up because I definitely felt out of it when I left. Um, and I thought it was a great idea to, you know, hop on the subway and then uh, take the bus back home. And I definitely took the wrong subway. I uh, got a little bit lost. So um, yeah, you, you'll feel a little bit out of it maybe immediately after to maybe a half hour after this whole treatment session, especially if it's your first time. 
and especially if you do all three treatments. Um, yeah, definitely take care of yourself afterwards. So thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at shape underscore scale to share your ideas on what we should cover next, who we should interview next, and if you guys have any questions for us, we would love to hear them. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you took something away from my experience with the cryo infrared sauna float tank experience. Again, check out the Reboot Float Spot. They are definitely somebody I would recommend for anybody looking to have a float tank experience. They will be linked in the description of this podcast and in our show notes. And I hope to see you guys back here next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.